Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple of Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me, as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com, is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Courtside, Kevin How is your Friday morning going, man? Everything's great. This has been a fun first week and a half of the NBA season. And with that, today we're going to be the, do the good and the bad and the ugly of what mm. we have seen so far and we're gonna start with the good the good yeah the good for positive people especially me right chris the first one (laughs) on the good that i have listed is stars being stars now the sample size is still small but we have a ridiculous amount of players in the league that are now averaging over 30 points per game, led by Luka Doncic, who was absolutely spectacular once again last night at 36.3. He is followed closely by Giannis Antetokounmpo at 36. Kevin Durant, 33. John Morant, 33. Jason Tatum, 33. Devin Booker, 33. And then Lillard at 31. Curry, 30.8. Fox, 30.5. Kyrie Irving, 29.6. And and, and then Shea Gilders-Alexander's at 29.3. So, I mean, you're almost to 11 guys so far. And you could say, well, the defense has been so bad so far. But even with the small sample size, the fact that we have so many guys that whether you are going to a home game or whether you are uh, watching a road game, they're performing like 
at this ridiculously high level. We have on display some of the best players that we've had, um, generational type talents, and so many of them, if you pay for a ticket to go to the game or you decide I'm going to use the night to watch, you have so far seen stars being stars, and I think that's a very good thing. One of the reasons why, Chris, I think we have so many stars scoring so many points this year. And for what it's worth, just to contextualize all the names you just said, last year at this time, there were only two guys averaging over, over 30 points, John Morant and Stephen Curry. Only two. And there, there was only one over 29, Kevin Durant. So like, there's just to put it in perspective. Even there. at this point in the season. At this Even point in the season, yes, yeah. exactly. I think one of the differences this year is them taking out the take foul in mm. transition. And what we're seeing, this is according to Second Spectrum, on transition baskets so far earlier in the season, 68% of shots in transition have occurred in the paint. That's up from 63% over the duration of the last five seasons. Also, shooting percentage is up from 61% to 63%. Minor differences, but those subtle differences all can add up to instead of 28 points per game to 30 points per game, instead of, instead of 20 points per game to 22 points per game. When you're taking more paint shots, higher, higher percentage shots, instead of you know, floaters you know, outside the lane or kickouts to bad shooters, I think a lot of that is making a difference. And we even saw that in last night's Nets-Mavs game. You mentioned, of course, Lucas scoring over 40. Late in the game, Ben Simmons gets a steal on the break instead of you know, attack. He didn't attack because he's you know hesitant to attack. But he also didn't get fouled because it would have been a take foul. Instead, he found Kevin Durant for a wide open three pointer trailing. So I think we're seeing some differences in the way players are attacking, the types of shots that they're getting, and maybe that's making a difference here. Uh, I I don't know for sure. We need a larger sample size, but it's just my my first thought that comes to mind when it comes to the amount of guys we're seeing score 30-plus. It also, I think, creates a much better flow to the game that in many cases, and again, the defense is not very good, but a lot of these teams want to play pace and space. A lot of these teams want to play fast. And I sense that there is a lot more open and free basketball that has been taking place thus far. And of course, that is going to benefit the stars the most. But that we're not standing at the free throw line, that we're not having these long breaks in action, and there's a lot more flow to these games so far that if you take those out, if you now, if you say the fast break is going to be a fast break, now... These teams are taking it out of the basket and they're just running back the other way sure. and they're going. And so you end up having much more end-to-end basketball than you've typically had. And you're not just standing at the free throw line watching this take place because then the free throw line, what that leads Which to is what would have happened. Ben Simmons yeah. would have gotten fouled last night. And then we're playing half-court basketball. Yeah. Right? The taking that away... I think in this weird way, while you're not going to be able to draw a straight line to that's what's happening, I do think that there is a profound impact 
in the fact that you are taking the ball out of the basket and you're going the other way rather than standing at the free throw line, creating another dead ball. And now we kind of can devolve into half court basketball where more of more of the fouls are going to take place. Like what is the what's the domino effect? I think it actually taking those fouls away leads to there being less fouls overall because now we're playing a lot less half-court basketball, and so we're doing a lot less standing around, walking the ball up the court, and it it's very entertaining. There's no doubt. I mean, I watch a lot of these games. I mean, it's like a damn all-star game. Think about Giannis. Doesn't yeah. it look like it for him because you can't foul him on the break right now, so he's... He's shooting more in transition, again, early small sample sizes, but he's shooting more in transition than he ever has. He's taken 4.7 shots per game on the break compared to 2.7 last year. So he's taking two more of the hardest shot in basketball to stop. He's only missed one of them all season long. So like, you have this dominant force already who... Now you can't, you don't have your best defense against him, which is by attack him, throw your arms at him, foul him immediately, unless he's in the process of taking that shot where it's a normal foul. But the take foul being removed from the game, that might not be the main factor, Chris, but it's definitely one of them. As you said, like fouling as well, that trend. Ultimately, I wonder how much of it is just these dudes are taking more shots too. Like the teams are giving their best players more shots. I wonder how much of it is that as well. But then again, like it's not like a big difference for the amount of guys taking 20 plus shots per game. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really has to do with the quality of the shots. Yeah. And the fact that we have a wide array of unbelievable talent right oh. now, currently in the NBA. Oh, they're peaking right now. A lot of these younger kids are getting better yes. and better and better. I mean, you look through that list that I named, and I mean, these are these are great, great players. Ja Morant getting even better as a player. Ja's, it's amazing. He gets better every year, man. Tatum got better. Yep. Dame's back to normal, even though he even though he just hurt, got hurt this week. But, still. but but I mean, Booker's averaging a tick under thirty three a game with CP 3s You know, he's on the decline, or at least his role is on the decline. He's not getting as many opportunities on ball with Booker seizing more of that in Phoenix. So I think the stars being stars is certainly a very good thing so far, that if you're watching NBA basketball, you're getting to see the best players perform at an extremely high level on a regular basis. Another one is some moves that took place in the offseason that I do think have been, the returns have been very good early for these teams, and I think that they are probably lasting good returns, one of which is Jalen Brunson. You know, I came on the show after I had watched them play on opening night in person, and that was an overtime game. And I came on the next day, and I said, I know they lost, but this Brunson thing is going to reap big benefits for them because he is just so solid. He plays hard on both ends of the court. He gets to every spot that he needs to get to, and I do think he can make his teammates better. And interestingly enough, the two that I wanted to touch on specifically are affect each other because the Mavericks lost Brunson, but they were able to add Christian Wood, who has been, he's been coming off the bench, but has been outstanding for them so far and looks to be a very good fit 
in that Dallas uh, system. And so Brunson and Wood, and I know there have been other additions. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell has been off the charts scoring-wise so far for Cleveland and has helped them out dramatically in, in the absence of, of Darius Garland. And there have been other acquisitions around the league. But Brunson and Wood kind of stand out as you see some of these teams and some of these guys trying to figure it out, trying to figure out where they fall into place in the pecking order and with these teams. I feel like those guys have kind of meshed in rather seamlessly. What about you? Brunson has enhanced everybody around him. Yeah. It's been, been cool to see, like, especially the pick and roll of Julius Randle. Randle goes from, you know, giving a thumbs down to Knicks fans last <laughs> season and tell him to F off after the game. And and now he's looking more like Julius Randle. And, <laughs> and so it's been nice to see Brunson help him. And then with Christian Wood, obviously I think Mavs fans are still disappointed they weren't able to get back Brunson. Of course. But you guys because you, you got it because you sit there and go, imagine if we had both. Yeah. And I mean it's understandably so that you would still feel that way about it. Um but ultimately, like the Mavs, they they get a, they get to figure out with Christian Wood. I know I know this is supposed to be good, but it, it, like, why is he playing under thirty minutes per game? Is my question. Uh, I I still I still want to understand what Jason Kidd is doing there. Is this about motivating him? About pushing him? About getting the best out of him? A lack of trust? Um, what is it about? Because last night's game, that win for the Mavs, you know, I questioned while watching the game. It's the fourth quarter and. They go to overtime, and I'm questioning why Christian Woods not out there. Um, but it was his worst game of the season so far. And in his four games, he scored 25, 25, 23, and 11 points. So last night, he scored you know least frequently, had four fouls in 24 minutes. So I get last night to an extent, uh, but I but I just wonder when when is he going to break through and become a 30-plus minute-per-night guy every single night because it's not really working great with JaVale McGee in that starting lineup, whereas Christian Wood is shredding teams on offense and holding his own defensively with a better supporting cast there in Dallas. He looks like the sixth man of the year so far, a leading candidate for that. Um, but I wonder, when is he going to be empowered as an all-star is where I'm at with that. Interestingly enough, the aforementioned Jalen Brunson went through the same thing. Yep, he, he did. For, he forced his way right? into that lineup. Isn't that weird? That it he made it undeniable. Too? Isn't that strange? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just how Jason Kidd goes. And, or is it, how the, mean, is it how the Mavs go? Because like, well, Kidd wasn't there the whole time when Brunson was with oh, Carlisle. Yeah, well, Rick Carlisle doesn't like anybody. <laughs> and nobody likes Rick Carlisle, for that matter. It's just, it's just kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just don't totally get starting Javale McGee. I, I get closing the game with Maxi Kleba. He's a very good defensive player. He's a good shooter. He was having a good night. He's a good matchup for Brooklyn. Um, but I, I don't get the starting of Javale McGee. Uh, the closing thing is a fascinating one because, um, certainly, whether you come off the bench or not, you would hope that you got your best players in in your closing lineup. That being said, I do think that there is. If he sat me down and said, look, the reason I bring him off the bench is because have you watched us in non-Luca minutes? Yeah. Who's supposed to score, bro? Who is supposed to score when Luca's not in the game? I don't have Jalen Brunson anymore. Dinwiddie, Hardaway. Right. I mean, so I, get, I do get it in that sense. I get it. But but like it's the minutes aspect. I get 
bringing him off the bench. I yep. don't, I'm, I'm struggling to understand from what I've watched a lot of Dallas this year and I'm, I'm struggling to understand what are the factors for them to keep him at 24, 25 minutes per game. He's doing good enough defensively. JaVale McGee looks like he's getting shredded out there on the floor. I mean, he multiple times in pick and roll coverages, he looks like a statue. And I, I think Christian Wood looks much more effective on that end of the floor. I'd love to see him with the starters. When will that happen at 30-plus minutes, and how much does it help the Mavs? Because I think they're probably 3-1. and one. If Christian Wood's playing you know, 34 or 35 minutes a night like the best players on teams usually do, I, I think they probably win that Pelicans game if he's empowered. Be maybe, maybe, maybe they're 4-0. They might even beat the Suns for that matter. He was shredded on that opening night game, too. So that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of chicken or the egg. You know, I, I guess we would only find out if he does start these games. But not even starting. It's about the minutes. Yeah. It, like starting, like I'm talking like off the bench, 30 plus minutes. Right. Totally fair. The results have been good for Christian Wood, despite last night. though. Oh, for sure. They have. <laughs> It's hard to argue with a guy that's had multiple 23, 25-point games. Doesn't it feel like there could be more to give? Maybe. I mean, what, what do you want him to have? You want him 30? Why not? Why, why not? It's been pretty good we, so we far. We got, what, 15 other guys average 30. Why not add another one? Uh, and look, Jason... Jason <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Hey, look, Jason Kidd, he, beat the, he knocked off the Suns last year and did a much better job than I think any of us expected him to do with Dallas and had a Western Conference Finals opinion uh, uh, appearance. And so, I don't know. I, I know that some of his uh, decisions can be frustrating, but he's probably earned the benefit of the doubt. That's what I would say. The NBA season is underway, and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. On the FanDuel Sportsbook app, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays, whether it's with the money line, point spreads, player props, and plus with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. On Friday night, I'm looking at Bucks minus six over the Knicks, a big home game for Giannis and Milwaukee. They're rocking so far this season. But if you don't want to bet on games, you can always focus on the awards, MVP, futures, rookie of the year, whatever it might be. The FanDuel Sportsbook app has everything on there. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So download FanDuel today and use promo code MISMATCH to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Tennessee, call redline 1-800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. A couple other guys that have kind of been under the radar because they're not on national TV on a regular basis that have been absolutely spectacular so far are 
Shea Gilgis Alexander for Oklahoma City, who got a very big win last night over the Clippers. And he has been, I, I, I mentioned him as the 11th leading scorer in the league, which almost any other year ever, he'd be the number one or number two scorer in the league. I mean, you see his numbers and they seem so freaky. And then he's 11th in the NBA in scoring um, at 29.3, also 6.5 assists, almost five rebounds a game. And while he has been in in undesirable situations since he has been in Oklahoma City as they are in a total rebuild, good grief. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. And he has been absolutely fantastic. And a credit to him, he, he has not let it get him down, the situation that he's been in, and he appears to still be getting better as the years go on. If you look at the top isolation players in the NBA, Luka has 18 per game, by far the most. The second and third players are the two guys you just mentioned, Chris. Shea Gildas-Alexander gets 14.3 isos per game. Pascal Siakam gets 13.2. And next closest for what it's worth is DeMar DeRozan at 10, LeBron James at 9.5 per game. So those two guys that you mentioned have been big years. They've just been empowered by their teams. They're saying, hey, you're our best player. Go out there, create a shot. Pascal Siakam attacking little guys on mismatches after teams switch screens against him and SGA going at anybody. Like Siakam in that Miami game was picking apart their defense as a scorer, as a passer out of isolations, backing down smaller Miami players. It's been cool to see the both of those guys get these opportunities to be the man. And I, and I look forward to, like, Toronto's a good team. They don't have the best spacing. I look forward to seeing these two guys in situations where they have optimal conditions around them because that's when I think the efficiency in those isolations starts to catch up with the frequency that they get right now. But already, I mean, it's amazing what they've been doing. Yeah, the points and rebounds thing are a given with Siakam. He has been yeah. a guy that's been able to get you a bunch of points and rebounds. The eight assists? Oh, I know. He's I just mean, playing. Eight- he, he's... He's there's a lot apart. of guard. There's a lot of guards in the league not averaging eight assists. Yeah, a lot of point guards in the league that aren't averaging eight. In fact, how many guys in the league are averaging eight assists? Like a clean eight point oh. Where is he on that list right now? On assists right now? Yeah, he's eleventh. Eleventh right now. So it's uh, want me to fire off the top ten really quick for you? Rattle yeah. them off. Let me hear it. Chris Paul, Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, Terry Rozier, DeJounte Murray, Fred Van Vliet. So if I'm not mistaken, the only non-guards you named, unless you want to say you know, some of those guys are wings, were Jokic and Siakam. Yes. That would be absolute front court players. Yeah, I mean, like, like Luka's tall, you could, you could say Luka, but he's effectively a guard. But he's a, a backcourt player. Yeah, yeah, effectively, yeah. But if we're talking front court players, Jokic and Siakam. The one thing I've wondered with Siakam is, can you get the... It's been unbelievable for Siakam, and his numbers are fantastic, and he's one of the better players in the league, for sure, so far, in the very few games that we've played. Can this version of Siakam get you the full version of Barnes? I think that's one of the things we all wondered, right? When 
the Barnes draft came about is how much overlap is there between those two guys? Because while you can go small, you know, where is Barnes is not the kind of guy that you necessarily want out at three because he's not he's not going to space the floor and bang down threes at a rate that you would want a small forward to. And so he's probably most traditionally a power forward in the league, which is exactly what your best player is in Pascal Siakam. And so do you think you can get the full version, the best version of Scotty Barnes playing alongside Siakam? What do you think? Maybe not in this current role. Um, I mean, I think ideally maybe you have Scotty Barnes doing the Pascal Siakam thing where he's, you know, running pick and rolls with Fred Van Vliet setting a little rub screen for him, slipping out to three. Like a lot of the the assists Siakam's racking up are those. Uh, but also, like sometimes he is helping out Scotty Barnes in a different type of role where Scotty Barnes is hanging around near the dunker spot and he had, the, had an assist against the Sixers where Siakam penetrated the paint, just dumped it right off to Barnes for an easy basket around the rim. And I think you're seeing... You're seeing the future of Barnes's role, maybe, in Pascal Siakam. And we already know Siakam can be the off-ball guy, hitting spot-up threes, cutting to the basket, you know, making plays off the dribble when he, you know, off the catch. He's, he's great in that role. So I think part of it is for the Toronto Raptors is about development, putting guys in different places. And so many of them are interchangeable. It wouldn't surprise me. Like last year, remember last season for the Raptors, OG Ananobi started out the year heavy isolations, heavy on ball, and then that kind of dwindled down. I bet you'll see this shift over the course of the year with different guys taking on different levels of responsibility. The reason I have such respect for the guys that we mentioned, Gildas Alexander and Siakam, is because I think that there was an old trope that I you know, subscribe to in many ways, which is like, you know, you get three, four years into your career. We kind of know what you are. And yes, there's going to be small improvements, but we kind of get the gist of where you are within league standing. And that's just not so anymore. You just really don't know. And so many of these guys can improve so greatly a little bit later on. And these are guys you know, certainly in the case of Siakam, who was playing for the 905 Raptors once upon a time and is like killing it in the G League. And, and, you know, that's the trajectory uh, for him, a guy that played a lot of games uh, on a great team uh, in the G League. And and now you see he has, when, when you're, when you've been in the league as long as those two, which is not a long time, but still, at a point where we don't expect you to get much, much, much better. And it appears that these guys' improvement has just stayed completely solid year after year after year after year. They keep getting better and better. And and with SGA, I mean, it's amazing because for years we've known about him as this just relentless downhill driver, getting to the basket at near-league high rates on drives to the rim, he can draw fouls. He can finish with quirky little, you know, English layups off the backboard. We've seen that for years, but we've seen the progression of his jump shot this year. He's making over 40% of his threes at 4.3 per game. So he's continued to extend his range, get better off the catch, get better off the dribble. And by becoming a better shooter, it makes you an even better driver. And when you're already such a high-level driver, that only 
and it further enhances your playmaking. And now he's this guy who's not just scoring, he's filling up the box score. He's ripping down rebounds because he's tall for a guard. He's getting stops on defense because he's so long. He's tough, hard-nosed on that end of the floor. And he's a good passer, too. I mean, this is somebody right now, he's not just scoring a lot of points. He's averaging 6.5 assists, 5 rebounds per game. I mean, this is somebody for OKC. He's, uh, I mean, people talk about him as the next, the next star to be traded. I don't see any reason why OKC is trading 24-year-old Che Gildas Alexander when they're building something special right now. They got to hold on to him as as a as a keeper and alongside Josh Giddy and whoever they get in the draft with their uh, many picks next year. It makes you sick every time you watch him and you think about the Chet thing. I know, I know, it does. They would have been really competitive. Yeah, with Chet and Giddy and Gilgis. And, you know, Jalen Williams, you know. Added Jets defense on the back line. Yes. Yeah. Right? And they got some role players to go around them. Like, they would have been a competitive team this year. It makes you sick. But at the same time, though, Chris, they're not winning anything this year, even with Chet. It's still about the future. And and maybe, I know Sam Presti said this at his, I think it was media day. He's like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Bad things happen in your life. And it turns out to be for the best, right? Like in the moment, it sucks that Chet's hurt, but maybe this is the best timeline to have, the best road to go down. Maybe there's benefits to Chet missing this season where he's able to work on his body and get even stronger next year, which leads to better health over the course of his career. Maybe this is for the best. And maybe also, he didn't say this, but maybe losing some more games (laughs) leads to higher draft pick odds. And that leads to somebody else special, whether it's Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson. There's other good prospects in this draft. Cam Whitmore from Villanova. There's other guys, Nick Smith at Arkansas. Like they could land another great young talent to pair with Gildas Alexander, who we're talking about as one of the better guards in the league this year, one of the better rim protectors than Chet Holmgren, one of the better playmakers than Josh Giddy. Like also, never mind Trey Mann, who looks like a great scorer in space creating off the dribble or Jalen Williams who's been out who was so impressive in preseason and summer league and even in his first game OKC is loaded with talent so for them it it is disappointing we're not able to see Chet this year but that doesn't change the fact they still have him and they retain perhaps the most upside of any team in all of basketball last thing on the good the aforementioned Victor Wimbayama the NBA announced that they are going to stream all of his games this year. I mean, this is unheard of that there's going to be his team, the Metropolitan 92ers. Is that right? 92s. Remember, remember our whole thing about what 92 yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. The, the Metropolitan 92s. And you're going to be able to, if you want to watch Victor Wimbayama games, the NBA is going to stream those. I mean, I think that speaks to... I I know that, you know, for years we've had high school great players that have been on TV, you know, even going back to LeBron and his uh, St. Mary's team, St. Mary's St. Vincent team back in the day. Um, But the league deciding, okay, here's another professional league that is going on and we are going to stream their games because we know the immense amount of interest in this prospect. And like promoting him already 
as the next big thing. I get it. If like broadcasting partners and some, you know, ESPN gets them on TV like they did uh, a couple of weeks ago when they were doing the Vegas thing, or if the NBA TV maybe shows a game here and there, something like Mm -hmm. that. But the idea that the NBA not only gets this deal to do this, but then announces it as a like huge announcement is just wild. I know. Absolutely wild. It's something else, and I'm excited about it for, you know, a couple of reasons. A, because it's Victor Wimbanyama, and now we have easier access to watch games. Uh, and B, next Friday, Chris, I'm going to be on the broadcast for that game. What? Doing a, yeah, doing a one-off. Yeah, going to gonna be on with Kevin Dana. It's going to be focused on Victor Wimbanyama. Wait, on what? On the NBA app? On the app? NBA app, yeah. Next Let's Friday. Let's go! Yeah, so just going to be testing that out next Friday and and see how it goes and we'll keep our eyeballs locked on Victor Wembanyama and freak out over the crazy stuff he does over the court. Wait, what, <laughs> what, what time is that game? I think it's 11.30 Pacific time. Uh, so 2.30, if I remember correctly, I'll, let me, I'll try to get that time right. But it's in the morning, um, in the morning on the West Coast, in the early afternoon on the East Coast. Well, congratulations. I didn't know you were no, doing this. This is great. That uh, came up yesterday, so I'm, I'm excited about that. That'll be oh, cool. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And yeah. It, but it's just so crazy because, look, and this is not a shot. This is simply an observation. All of us can find it easier to watch all the Victor Wimbayama games than we do the Oklahoma City team we just discussed that very well may have a shot at Victor Wimbayama. A average NBA fan is going to find it easier to watch Victor Wimbayama play basketball than Shea Gilgis Alexander, well, not Josh if you have the app. and the rest. If, if, you have the, if you have the app, they're both on there, though. If you have your League Pass account. No, but no, you, this, you don't have to have League Pass to yeah, watch the Victor Wimbayama game. That's true, you don't. That's true. You know, you have to buy League Pass in order to watch the Thunder. Victor Wimbayama, they're just saying, hey, we want everybody to see this product. And I, I wonder I wonder how that much we don't it is. E- that we don't even have. Like, it's not even in the league yet. <laughs> I'd be resentful as hell if I played for one of those teams that's never on TV. It's honestly kind of a, a good marketing move mm-hmm. to, to get people to use the app. Yeah. And oh, for sure. And like they're in the app, they're having fun. They're like, "Ooh, well, ninety nine dollars a year, mom. Like, I use your credit card." Yeah, right? the NBA, <laughs> the NBA's got something cooking here, Kev. Because I don't know if if you know this, but um, I've got a bunch of buddies that are season ticket holders. Every season ticket holder in the league was given league pass this year. Really? Yep. Huh? They've got something cooking here where they're trying to get everybody ingrained in this, huh? right? Because those people would have a propensity for buying uh, yes. NBA merchandise, buying things. Anyway, like these are basketball fans, right? Doesn't that make sense, ticket by owner, the way? Doesn't it make sense that you get League Pass for free if you get spend thousands of dollars in season tickets? That should be part of the deal for every team. And so there you have it. And so now you gain more interest. Obviously, they get all of their information as soon as you are, which is of... Uh, Incredible value. 
because these are your patrons of the league. And so you can promote all the other things to them, et cetera, et cetera. But you get them in the fold, you get them enjoying League Pass. And when it comes to this next media deal and everything else, you know, there have been, you can find articles written about this where leagues have even spoken about taking over control of their own broadcasts. Of the RSNs. The local, oh, yeah, of yeah. everything, right? Yeah. So that basically, yeah, you would still have the Turner component. Yeah. That's obviously not going anywhere because they just paid Barkley $200 million. He's well, still there the, is an out on that deal reportedly. Where like, you if, would, if Turner's not part of the next broadcasting rights, there's an out. You're still going to have the Turner component, the ESPN component, the the, the game for the playoffs. Like, for the playoffs, yeah. you're, I think you're you're always going to have the finals on ESPN and ABC. I think that'll always be a thing. It's a matter of everything else. No, 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 no. What, what I yes, I think even regular season games that are premier games, the national TV games, all yes. of that will remain the same. But the that league pass thing, mm-hmm. that's what'll be different. The league pass thing now, if I'm the NBA, I provide the broadcast. This is what I would guess would be a discussion. I don't know the financials of how this would work. But if you're them, you've got to think, okay, how about we make all the money off of league pass? Like you're not paying DirecTV or Xfinity or whoever you're paying, right? If you want to do this now, and then now I've got this huge app, all the teams have their own sites within the app. So if you're a fan of this team, now you've got that part and it's got all this content on there. I mean, mm. I think there's a whole new world. You coming. see the upside. Cause I, I, I oh, know yeah. like a lot of people on Twitter have been complaining about games not working on the app for what, you know, and I haven't had any issues using the app on my phone with the games I have on desktop. Like I've had to clear my cookies and cash a lot for some reason to get games to load when mm. I've watched on my computer, but I haven't had issues on, you know, apps for TV. Or for on my phone. Um, regardless, this is a brand new app that they built from the ground up this year. And it's still in the beginning baby infancy stages here for an app that, as you're describing, Chris, could be innovative in the sports world for having everything on their app in-house. Like this well, is, this, is think, a, this is a good trial run. Is the, 100%. Try, try, try something in France that's not... If, it, if that... If it doesn't work or something, it's not the it's not the end of the world. And also, I don't even think ratings like need to be no enormous for it to matter. They even tried it like on the NBA website with some of uh, what was it, Bronny's games this summer, or they had some of the you know the pickup you know games, the the, the runs they had over the summer. So the NBA is definitely trying things, and, yeah. And I, and I think experimentation or innovation and always is at least worthy of our respect. So in that sense, like even though it might be clunky sometimes, not every plan might not work out, I think it's cool that they're trying these things, and I'm excited to see how it works out, especially for a guy like Wemby, because who doesn't want to watch him? At least check in for 15 minutes for a quarter, and then you go out on your day, you go do your takeout here, your errands, whatever. You're sitting in the the car, you're like, ooh, I'll pull up in a Wembanyama right now while I'm waiting, right? Like whatever it might be. You know, you're in a parking lot waiting for somebody to come out. Like, whatever the situation. Like, I think this this is, like, something that people might not sit down in front of their TVs. The, only the hardcore of hardcore fans will do that. But it's another piece of content. And that's what the NBA, I think, needs to remember. The NBA is in the content business. And you're competing against people scrolling on TikTok. 
You're yep. competing against YouTube. You're competing against Mr. Beast. You're competing against us listening to a podcast or, you know, tune into Wimban Yama, right? Like, so I think that's what the NBA needs to remember and why for them it's very, very smart to invest in this app because it could also give them leverage to say in the coming, you know, 10 years, whenever the RSN deal comes up to say, you know what, we, we want to own it. Like someday, Chris, like it's possible in some future that you, your pod, like the team is part of the NBA, like yep. broadcasts. Sure. Rather than the local RSN. Like that could happen someday. Who knows? Same thing like, you know, growing up watching Mike Gorman and Tommy Hines and now Brian Scalabrini on the call. Maybe someday rather than with NBC Sports Boston, they're part of the NBA's call. Like we just don't know how things are going to develop here. Yep. I'm only watching the Wimbayama thing for Kevin O commentator. That's <laughs> that's why I'll be watching. Well, I look I look forward to seeing how I do. I'm with Kevin Dana. Kevin Kevin and I did like a little thing during the that G League Ignite game versus the ninety twos and I, I like the chemistry with him. So, you know, it'll be cool to see how uh Oh don't, don't, don't be talking don't be cheating on me and then talk about oh, no. how much you like his chemistry. No, 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 we, got, no, no. We, we got seven years here, you son of a Chris, bitch. It, 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 it's not cheating when I go all with Bill here and there. <laughs> I can't do nothing about you. You're, you're my main thing, boss. Chris. You're my main thing. All right. <laughs> Always all right. will be. <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the bad. <laughs> so far. All right. The Clippers start without Kawhi. So we were just effusive in our praise about the Oklahoma City Thunder. All these little side pieces I have. <laughs> <laughs> there win Kevin on side piece. The Clippers, <laughs> the Clippers lost to that Oklahoma City Thunder team last night. And Kevin, we haven't even made it a week and a half into the season without Kawhi Leonard not playing. Now, we know he is, he's not the Mount Rushmore. If Mount Rushmore only had one face. Don't, don't say that. Jalen Rose is really angry with you right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Jalen. <laughs> but if, if. The if Mount we, Rushmore of, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Load management. If there yeah, was a yeah, yeah. Mount Rushmore of load management, <laughs> there would only be one head and it would be Kawhi Leonard's. <laughs> while, while we can debate the GOAT. You know, people want to fight about Jordan and LeBron. Some old head pipes in with Kareem, Kareem or Russell. And then, and then you got Kobe, yeah. right? Yeah, you guys can all argue. There is no debate on who is the goat of load management. None. And he will never be defeated. Kawhi Leonard. Bro, we're like four or five games into the season. And he hasn't played in a year and a half. This is just wild. Are you worried? Me. Yes. Are you worried? Okay, I'm, I'm well, worried too. <laughs> I mean, it's been a year and a half, bro. Why doesn't he play basketball? And even he. And by the way, it's not like you brought him out and he played starter minutes, thirty-five minutes on night one, and then it was like, oh, too much, too fast. He was playing off the bench like twenty minutes. That one game, he came in with like five minutes left in the second quarter. It's like the first minutes he played in the game. This is crazy. It's scary because someone tweeted us the other day about a certain word that was used when he was on his hiatus from the Raptors. Um, the injury at the time was quadriceps tendon tendinopathy, whatever. I'm not a doctor. Tendinopathy. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And and from the injurysource.com, which sounds like a legitimate website, this describes the words we were using at the time, Chris, right? Do you remember this? It says, over time, if the tendonitis persists, the tissue can undergo changes that cause the tendon to develop more chronic pain. The underlying changes to the tendon can include degeneration of the tissue and increased nerve and blood vessel growth. The combination of these changes causes the tendon to be unable to handle the same stress it could handle before and be more sensitized to pain. Remember at the time when we were talking about, is this a de- degenerative issue? Is this going to cause long-term issues for Kawhi and Leonard? That kind of went away for a while. But it's on my mind again right now, watching him come off the bench, not perform at the same level on the floor. After missing one year with the torn ACL, I'm, 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 I'm scared, Chris. I'm, well, and I'm the other thing is, it. like, and then they're so defiant about it. That's the other thing that scares me. Whenever you're over-the-top defiant about it, it's like, it's not the same thing. This is just load management, just being careful, easing it back into everything, that kind of stuff. It's like, hold on now, right? Like, he's been I out know. for a, he's been out a year and a half, played some basketball, and now he can't play basketball. And he wasn't even playing starter minutes. He played 20 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. And not and not even, you know, close he to the He can't same do level. that. And, and and they don't play every other day anymore. There's breaks in the action. I'm nervous about it. Yes. How can you not be nervous about it? Well, and the other thing is that's your that's the linchpin. That's the best player on your team. That's the best player in your organization. And very, very difficult to have any level of leadership that would come along with it. Even if it's leadership, uh, he's not He's never going to be the vocal guy, uh, but he is a guy that can lead by example. The example is almost never playing. And these guys, you know, saddling up and having to go play another team the next night. And he's just not there. And every once in a while he's there and every once in a while he's not. And it's like, how how did this extended amount of time not get him back to the point where he'd be able to play basketball again. That's that's what I would be like. What is going on here? I haven't listened to the pod yet, but I know Bill Simmons did a, a panic watch rankings with Rob Mahoney. For, I listened for, to it. And, 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 so, and they had the Clippers on there. I didn't hear the conversation yet, but I'm, I'm going to pass along a thought to you, Chris, and I want you to tell me like how much they discussed about this. Before the season, we were talking about the Clippers' depth the amount of good players they have on their team. I had a a phone call with an executive earlier in the week and we were talking about the Clippers and he's like, yeah, they have a lot of good players, but how many of them are really good? Like they're thin. He's like, they they don't have a lot of great, you know, players coming off their bench. They're a thinner team. They have options, but it's like, you know, he's like, John Wall at this stage is how good is Batum really? Reggie Jackson, your starter, you know, like Terrence, man, how good are these guys really after... Paul George, Zubats, Powell, and theoretically Kawhi. And I, I thought about it in that way. And I get it. I don't totally agree, but I do wonder with their depth, Chris, how much of that was a component of their discussion, being a bit overrated than what we thought it was. That was not part of their discussion okay. necessarily. I mean, they touched on it. What I would argue is those guys are outstanding players to have 
when they're your four through 12, which is what they should be. Next to star in the, players. In the absence of one and two, it changes everything. Now, yeah, I don't want to have to go to war with, uh, you know, despite his playoff performance, Reggie Jackson as my second best guy out there or Norm Powell or whoever else. But if if my if my three and four players through 12 are Norm Powell, Robert Covington, and Batum, and Kennard, and Terrence Mann, all these guys, like, that's where I don't think it's overrated their talent. I'd, I'd rather have those guys. That depth is outstanding to have. You got wings on wings on wings. The problem is it falls apart if the top two guys are not the top two guys. And I know in that game against Oklahoma City, George was crap too. Like, George has to be superhuman when Kawhi is out. That's that's the way it goes. But that team, they got to the West Finals by beating Utah without Kawhi Leonard. And I think they've gotten some better players since then. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a fool's errand to say that they're not as good as we thought they were. I think it it has a profound effect when the guy that's supposed to be your best player is unavailable. I think it's very difficult to build chemistry. I think it's very difficult to, you know, they got used to playing without Kawhi Leonard. And then he's, maybe he's going to play, is he going to play tonight for 25 minutes or 20 minutes or no? He's not going to play at all. I don't know. I know, right? Don't it's know. weird. I mean, with him, it's so strange. I don't it's even. so strange. It's it, it's very hard to recall anything like this. Like a guy that would be a top I mean, five. I mean, I mean here, here's the thing, though, Chris. Like, they might just be playing it super, super conservative. He is coming back from a torn ACL. The goal is to be great in April, May, and June. It might just be they're being insanely conservative here. Because, as you said, he's on the Mount Rushmore of load management. It's that kinda, might be it. It's they're treating him more like so Durant like just jumped right back into it, right? Yes, and, and Katie is wired a different way. And he's wired a different way. This is being treated like clay. Yeah. So it might be that it might be. That. It might be. It might it might, be. it might just be that. All I know is I only put that other thought out there about what we were talking about back at the time of the the Spurs, you know, absence when he went to the Raptors. I said I said Raptors hiatus, I meant Spurs hiatus. My bad. But like I, I just wonder we haven't used those words for years. Yeah. But it's just yep. been on my mind watching this weird beginning of the season with Kawhi. It just came back. A couple other bads that include injuries. Orlando, who was going to be a fun team, is a fun league pass team still, despite their winless record. Just totally ravaged by injury. Like, they don't even have Gary Harris as a guard anymore. They got no faults, no Suggs, the Cole Anthony oblique strain. Gary Harris is out. I mean, poor RJ Hampton's going to have to play 48 minutes. Like, I'm ready for point bowl bowl. Let's just go full NBA 2K. Did you see my my meme I posted about bowl bowl? It's been tough on you, hadn't it? Did you see it, though? Yeah, I saw it. The distracted boyfriend meme? That was pretty funny. I was hey, laughing. Look, <laughs> hey, look. I know you're laughing about that, but look, maybe it's a, if you're if you're willing to leave Mo Bamba, you'll kick me to the curb I'm not, too. I'm not. I, I can love both, Chris. 
I you were both. I thought you were uh, in that meme. You were looking at you were looking at bowl balls some kind of way. <laughs> Some kind of way. <laughs> I mean, Bull Bull still isn't, you know, the most impactful or willing defensive player. And I still want to see Mo Bamba get, I think, re-signing with the Magic. We, we should talk about other players on the Magic, but real quick, why did he go back when they got Wendell Carter and they had a top pick? They got Ben Carroll. It could have been Chet Holmgren, but, like, mm. you know, why did he go back there when they have so many bigs and the opportunity just clearly wasn't there for him to be, you know, 25 plus, plus minutes per game like he was last season. I just, I'm perplexed by his decision to, to do that. And I hope he gets traded to a team that needs a center who can offer room protection and do a lot of the stuff he did last season. I'm not worried about Mo Bamba as much as I, I don't understand why he went back or even why the Magic wanted him for that matter. Just strange. He feels locked in there. The team's just been ravaged by injury and has made it much less fun. But Bancaro and Franz are still fun watches, for sure. Yeah. Wendell Carter, too? Yeah. Wendell I mean, Carter. They, they, get, they get some length, man. I want to see them throw out a lineup with Bancaro, Wagner, Carter, Bowl, and Bamba. Yes. Put those five out there just to see what happens. You're losing games anyway. What does it matter? Yeah, what does it matter? Just go for it. Have Ben Carroll be your point guard or Wagner be your point guard. They're your backcourt, right? They're perimeter guys. Perfect. Just give it a try. Why not? Seriously. Come on, Jamal Mosley. What are you waiting for? Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Damian Lillard out one to two weeks of the calf strain. That's yeah, too bad. Back started off, talk about him. Started off the season blazing, no pun intended, but they have been one of the very good stories in the NBA, he has looked absolutely incredible. And now one to two weeks, and you know, every year we talk about this, I I always get super concerned with the muscle stuff. And so when it's a strained muscle, like calf, you know, a quadricep, a hamstring, groin, any of this stuff that comes up as a strain, the muscle, I'm, I, I always you know, get a little timid on it. I know they give these timelines and here's hoping 
that he could just sit out one or two weeks and then be able to come back and not re-aggravate. But these things always just take time. When you aggravate these things, we see it every year in the playoffs. Every year, it has an effect on the playoffs. Somebody strains a muscle, and it has a profound effect on the playoffs and sometimes the best player's ability to go. And so, and, and it many times takes a lot longer than we originally think it is going to take. So here's just hoping that what started off as a fantastic story for Lillard, um, that he is able to come back in a short amount of time. Simons, who has been incredible, his show now, right? Like there's a there's a lot of a lot of points on the board to get. And so a lot of responsibility for him right now. Yeah. And well, you remember, he was so damn good. And him and uh Nurkic were so good that they just had to shut them down completely. They just had to stop playing them. Because <laughs> they were like winning games down the stretch, him and Josh Hart. And so I mean, they are used to this. They did show it at the end of last year when they ended up being strangely highly competitive against teams down the stretch. So if, you, uh, if you're buying into the Anthony Simons thing and like watching him, it's going to be a Simons show uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks in the absence of Lillard. They get some tough games coming up, too. They play tonight against Houston. So they lost Wednesday night against Miami, got smoked that night. They get Houston tonight, but then next week, their last home game for a while is Wednesday against your Memphis Grizzlies. But then they have a six-game road trip at Phoenix twice then Miami, Charlotte, New Orleans, Dallas. Oof. Like that, that's a tough schedule. That's a long time to be on the road as well. A lot of games packed in. Uh, like, Dame, like we talked about it Tuesday, how great they looked and how Dame looked amazing. Without him, man, like this is a, this is a massive test for that team. Like you no said, it's going to have to be the Simon show and also the Jeremy Grant show. Is can he can he tap into more of the stuff he did in Detroit as a higher volume scorer rather than you know being a hybrid of the of Detroit and Denver like now he needs to be the twenty plus point per game guy like he was with Detroit. We'll burn through the rest of these. One other bad is Sacramento's bleak start. Hmm. Um, Are you sure this isn't ugly. There went well if you want to call it ugly. Th- here's the reason I called it bad. They're zero and four. I know. I think I'm going to shock. That's pretty ugly for a team that want, we we said would you know make the play in. I agree with you. I agree with you. Let me tell you something. I watched them last night very closely. Of course, they played Memphis, lost that game. They did the their their grave mistake was to try to get and allow the game to be a shootout. You're not beating Memphis in an All Star game. You're just not. They, Brooklyn did it. You you want to get to 140, get to 140. You want to get to 130, 130. If 120 is going to win it, 120 is going to win it. But you don't want to get in a shootout with them where you're just flying up and down the court because they got too many guys that can hit threes in open space. They got Moran. Like, they'll play. If you want to play the game with no defense, good luck. And so they devolved into that. They allowed that game to get going, and Memphis is better at that, especially because they're more used to each other, and they've got these gunners. Bain just goes bonkers on you. Uh, LaRavia is knocking down wide-open threes. It's a team that makes the extra pass. Like, they can play that all-star game stuff. That being said, Kevin, I'm going to shock you. I watched that game last night, and everybody's going to say, same old Sacramento. Sacramento sucks. 
Uh, Should have never believed in Sacramento. They got this, you know, bad owner. And there's a reason they've stunk for 16 years on and on and on. I'm going to shock you when I tell you, I'm not giving up on them at all. Mm. At all. I look at it and I say, they ran into that buzzsaw with Dame on opening night, right? They lost then to the Clippers and they lost on the last bucket and they screwed up at the end of the game. They should have won that game. They lost that game. Then they lost to Golden State by five and they were neck and neck. It is a two-point game in the fourth quarter against Memphis till they start flying up and down and getting in this shootout. But Portland, the Clippers, Golden State, and Memphis have been their games thus far. So yes, they are 0-4, but I think it's more a function of a schedule them getting used to each other, you know, because there's going to be a transition time for these teams that have new players. And they've got new players that play real minutes in Keegan Murray and Herder and Monk, and they've got guys that have not been playing together. Um, And so he's got to figure out the roles. They're never going to be an outstanding defensive team, but I I still think their, their offense is going to be good enough um, in, and they create a lot of space now and they got some shooters out there. I think that they've played four teams so far that I would not overreact to those losses yet. I think they're going to be okay. How do you think Sabonis handled Steven Adams? I thought he got killed. Yeah, exactly. It's Steven Adams. But I mean, he's slight now. Uh, Sabonis is slight. I know, but like, isn't that an issue with all the bigs in the league? Of course it is. That Sabonis is getting pounded by Steven Adams? Yes, but I mean, Steven Adams has been great so far. Oh, I know. He looks awesome. You know, and Sabonis is, he's not that guy that's going to go to war with the big bruiser anymore. He'll get, I mean, but, they, they but, just don't, they, but they don't have room protection. They don't have perimeter defense. I got they have, it. They have I no got defense. It. I got it. I got it. I actually thought in the half court, they were okay when they had Mitchell at the top. And, I mean, they they got to figure some things out. They they certainly it would be better off to have some more defenders. It's never going to be a very good defensive team. But I do think they're going to be really good offensively, enough to win them a share of games that we thought they could. Sure. Well, Fox is shredding. Oh, Keegan Murray looks terrific. I mean, there's silver linings. That's why maybe it's not ugly. It's just bad. And that's his first start last night. Yeah. Murray's going to be good. Keegan Murray looks like he's been in the league for seven years already. Except when he got put in the blender by Desmond Bain. (laughs) No, Desmond Bain's so damn good, dude. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, All right, the ugly. Let's just knock these out. We're not going to spend a lot of time because we talked about these teams too damn much already. But we have to mention, since we last spoke, we mentioned that Brooklyn lost that game to Dallas that a lot of people watched on national TV. But before that, the previous game uh, against Milwaukee, Nash absolutely loses his mind. It leads to this meme where he's all cockeyed, cockeyed and crazy <laughs> and everything like that and just going <laughs> ballistic. And I, I tell you this, Nash is going through it, bro. I, I hate that I predicted at the beginning of the season that he'd be the first coach to go, uh, but he's going through it. I'll tell you that Brooklyn, the night that they played in Memphis a week ago, they stayed in town. They went to this very famous restaurant that was um, uh, a lot of civil rights leaders back in the day uh, went to called the Four Way. And 
they they had stayed overnight after that game and went up to the four-way. And so I, I knew some people that were up there. And they said Nash just, like, he looked beaten down. You know, of course, people tried to get pictures with him and whatever. And he was like, eh. you know, I had another friend, saw him. He was just walking around the streets of Memphis, like, the next morning. Like, people saw him that I know. Like, just head down. They, they, he looked like just a depressed guy walking around town. And I was like, man, I feel so bad. You know he's going through it with all that crap over the summer with the KD stuff and now trying to figure out how to use Ben Simmons and won't shoot and coach this team and everything else. Oh, and I do need to mention this. For as much as he gets pummeled, I think that uh, – because, look, I could be very positive too. You know who – everybody in that restaurant that was there that night that Brooklyn went there here, from the dishwashers to the waiters to the owners – Everybody, you know who they said was the absolute best? Kyrie Irving. Wow. Took pictures with every single one of them. Was, uh, I was going to say Edmund hey, Sumner. No, introducing himself, you know, asking them about their lives and what they do or whatever. It's, I'm telling you, it is always the weirdest thing. Everybody I know that either knows him or has come into contact with him <laughs> loves this guy. And every time this guy comes up to me at my daughter's soccer game the other night, and he's like, I had this perception of this guy and how kooky he is and all that stuff last year and everything. He goes, I met him when he was here. He was the nicest guy ever to us. He's taking pictures and doing this and that. And I'm like, I swear to God, I've heard this same story 10 times in the last five years. I heard uh, Nick Friedel on ESPN said how Kyrie offered him a ride home one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I remember. I remember my dad when he was at us when Kyrie was with the Celtics. So he was waiting for me doing post game stuff, and he was standing like in the family area where yep. players go see their families and friends after the game. And my dad told me after the game, he's like, "Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie was super nice to this family sitting here <laughs> by the ass." Asking questions about their kid, what the husband does. I know. And like not talking about himself at all, asking genuine questions. It's like, damn, like you hear a lot of those stories, but then you hear stories about him being a total dick to people. I know. Not not strangers, but like people in the industry, like shoe representatives, people who work for the team, teammates. Like you hear that stuff, but then you hear these stories too. And it's people are complicated. I know. know. People are both good. Well, not both. They're good, bad, and ugly. Right, Chris? Yeah. People are. There's bad bad things about everybody, good things about everybody, too. So it's just fun. It's funny you say that about Kyrie. Uh, you know, he's, he had, I'm telling you, there's nobody that worked at that restaurant that they went to that won't walk out there and, like, tell everybody how awesome he was. There's a picture on their Instagram of him, really? with, ev- of him with everybody. What restaurant was it? It's called The Four Way. So you can probably four-way. just type in four way. You can I, I find wanna, it. I want to look this up real quick. Yeah. Instagram. I mean, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very famous restaurant in Soulsville from the Civil Rights era. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see the yeah. photo off there. See yeah. Him? We won in more ways than one. We watched our Grizz grind and are very blessed to feed the Brooklyn Nets basketball team after the game. It's a whole experience, y'all. Crazy. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, they're very, they're very excited about it. I mean, can you imagine if you're just a kid that's like a, a dishwasher there or something? You get to come from the back, and not only is he totally cool to you and taking pictures, I mean, it'd be a, it'd be a dream. Kyrie's be a dream. all smiles. 
Yeah. Um, but Steve Nash is not. No. He said, right? Yeah. No, Steve, Na- no. Steve Nash is not. And <laughs> he, he's he's in an experimental phase right now. Yeah. All I right. Mean, so what do you think about yeah. Simmons playing center last night? Mm, I mean, he he played it more than he ever has. Um, last night, he played it 24 out of 37 of his minutes on the floor. Um, I mean, the results were mixed for them. In the first quarter, minus four. In the second quarter, even. Third quarter, a minus one. And then in the fourth into overtime, they were a minus 12. I think it's worthy of continuing to do. I think you're, I think you're a better team when you have Simmons at the five without Claxton or Sharp out there. With that said, though, Chris, like you're undersized. You lack rim protection. Um, certain teams that aren't Dallas, like even if they had Christian Wood out there, that it would exploit that lack of size. I think Brooklyn, assuming they keep Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, and KD doesn't demand another trade, assuming that happens, I think if you're Brooklyn, you got to go out and get a center that can shoot threes, whether it's a Miles Turner or whether it's even a Daniel Tice. Like you got to find a, a big who can shoot threes to provide size, room protection, and also floor spacing because it's not going to work offensively. This this year, they've gotten shredded when it's been Simmons plus Claxton or Simmons plus Sharp. They need help. You want me to get you all excited? Mo Bamba. (laughs) 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 It's not a bad idea. I mean, a little down the list compared to Miles Turner, but I'd I'd have him above Daniel Tice. All right. We're not going to talk all about the Sixers and the Lakers. Let's just say this. I think we're both on the same page where Sixers, I think, will figure it out. They've got a bunch of you new personnel. Yeah, they've got a bench. You know, we like the talent that they brought in. I think in the end, they'll end up figuring it out. It's a bunch of new guys. That I know that's bad vibes. I know it's bad vibes. And if they don't figure it out, they'll just fire Doc. It's the same kind yeah. of thing with Brooklyn. And hire who? D'Antoni, Jeff Van Gundy away from the ESPN broadcasts? I mean, they might just move Dave Yeager over. No, I, don't, I don't know if it'd be Yeager. I mean, he's been a head coach in the league, you know. know, But is he going to get past Sam Cassell? I know the players really like Dan Dan Burke. Dan Burke's a name to keep in mind, too, off their bench. Yeah, so, I mean, it might be just somebody that they slide over. I I know you are, Jaeger. No, (laughs) no, I've just, I've I've seen the situation before. He was right there. Sure. When when, when Lionel Hans got into it with management, Dave Jaeger was right there, you know, friends with the management to take his place. They they got some games coming up that they could win. Uh, they get Toronto tonight, which is tough. But then they get you know Chicago, Washington twice, New York. Mm. I mean, they they got to get it right. Yeah, soon it's, it's like we talked about. Like they they have to get it right by around that. Well, but they see they have talent, and so I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt of being able to figure it out. Which is not the Lakers, and you got these LeBron. Instagram post, you got him stealing your line about taking him for granted. Oh, that was something else. How impatient do you think they get? How long do they let it go before we're talking about them pulling the trigger on something? I mean, this is tough. This is tough because you don't want to waste the year of LeBron James. But at the same time, there are benefits. If you if your team is so bad that you don't think that there are any moves one move or multiple moves that you can make that can save your season. The benefit to waiting is that on draft night, you can trade your 2023 pick and you can trade 27 and 29. So you'd have three first round draft picks to trade rather than two. 
and you'd be entering an offseason in which you have a lot of cap space. So the benefit to waiting is like, okay, well, we won't, we won't, you know, blow our load on this season. We'll wait till next year to do everything we can to go all in. That's the benefit. The problem is the fact that their defense has still been really good. Just with a couple of tweaks, maybe you can enhance the offense. If I'm the Lakers, anything I do is a three-way trade. I think I think the Turner healed combination, to me, that's not enough. If I'm the Lakers, I need a third player or a fourth player in a deal if I'm giving up both of those first round draft picks. That's that's the perspective I'm coming from. Those are two of the most high value future first round draft picks in the entire league. And if they're left unprotected, those could end up being high lottery picks. Like the by that point, LeBron's gonna be 50 years old, AD's gonna be retired because he can't play anymore. Like the team's gonna look dramatically different. The Lakers could be bad again. So they need to be very careful about what they get back for those picks, which is why I think, if anything, it'll be some three-way. Like, let's just say Indiana-Charlotte, where they get Turner and Heald and Terry Rozier, right? Like, something like that, to me, is what the Lakers need to be angling for if they give both of those up. That could be worth it. Do you see that report, the Utah thing? Would you have done that? It was Westbrook in the picks, and it was Bogdanovich, Conley, and Rudy Gay. Who reported that? I didn't see that. It was, uh, Tony Jones had it uh, from Salt Lake. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I don't know exactly what was... Yeah, that was it. I mean, obviously, Bogdanovich got moved elsewhere. What, what, I, what I reported, what I heard is that they offered a first-round pick for just Bogdanovich. And, and I, no, but, I, it be, but, it, but would you have done... If, let's say that deal was on the table. Well, that's probably what Danny Ainge wanted was the bigger deal. And he okay, said, but no, let's, say that was on, let's say that was on the table. Westbrook in the picks for Conley, Gay, and Bogdanovich. No. Bogdanovich is shooting the hell out of the ball right but you now. Can, you can but, still get Bogdanovich from Detroit. I mean, that'd be three guys in their probably five, six-man rotation. I think the Lakers thought they were getting Bogdanovich for a lower price. I, I don't think that deal the Lakers were ever doing. Mm. I reported weeks ago the Lakers offered four Bogdanovich, one first-round draft pick. I believe that to be true. And then Danny Ainge instead took the Detroit deal where he got nothing in return just to dump him. And I think Danny Ainge and the Utah side of things are betting on there could still be opportunities to get equal equal value from other teams or from the Lakers down the line. And with Bogdanovich, they just sent him to a new team. Yeah, but Danny, Danny Ainge doesn't want to help the Lakers. Exactly. I think that's what it is. He doesn't want to help the Lakers unless it's for the most possible. So I don't, I don't think the Lakers were doing that deal at all. No. I would not have done that if I'm the Lakers. I would have waited. And I think they made the right choice to buy their time here. It's just a matter of, is your team competitive enough for you to warrant giving up both of your first-round draft picks in the future rather than waiting? I mean, it's a difficult balance here. If I'm the Lakers, I'm going for Bogdanovich still. You could still trade for Bogdanovich from Detroit. The question is going to be, would they let go of him? Would they want to trade him? And also, if you're Bogdanovich, like we talk about this from the team side, I'm sure Dwayne Casey would love to keep Bogdanovich. I'm sure he loves how he fits with Cade and spaces the floor. If you're Bogdanovich, you don't want to be in Detroit. You're, no, 30, no. you're 33 years old. The best right. thing you can do for the player is to trade him to a situation in which he can win. Is that the Lakers, though? Yeah, right. Are they winning? I, I mean, like Bogdanovich sure as hell would look great with the Lakers right now, right? Anybody would. Anybody with a pulse would. I know. That could knock down a three. I, I, I know if, you're, if the Lakers make a move, 
I'd bet on it being a three-way deal in which they get more than just two like mm. Turner heel players. I'd bet on it being like three or four guys going back to the Lakers if they were to trade both of those future picks. Gotcha. All right, Kevin. I will talk to you next week. Thank you to our producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. Kevin, I'll talk to you next Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it, man. Have a good weekend. 